Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything <coughs> to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every For the cleansing power Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusted? Grace is our Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul Cleansing blood of the Lamb Are you garments spotless all the white as snow? Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Side the garments that are stained with sin, and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul, and clean all be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are you garments spotless and white as snow? Are we washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the highways, in the hedges, in the highways. Highway. 
Once again, in chapter 5, Ephesians in chapter 5, tonight we are looking at our eighth lesson in the study of the book of Ephesians, and praying God will bless it. Tonight, as I look at this scripture tonight, I see one that I believe that all of God's true churches could really benefit from if we really just take time to get a hold of what the Word of God is telling us. You know, we, we began at verse 1, we come all the way down through verse uh, 33, and in this scripture, which we're going to have to break, we're actually going to break this down in two, two lessons, because I want to end this, this, this study, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, we want to look at the, what the bride is, we want to see uh, what God's Word does say. We're going to touch on quite a bit of it tonight, but I know I did I did not have near the time that I would need to devote a whole study on the Bride of Christ. And this is one of the most beautiful scriptures that you can ever get a hold of. Husbands and wives, this scripture tonight is a blessing for us. It teaches us many things on how how the marriage, how the marriage itself should work. And, and you want to have a, a blessed marriage. I, you follow God's word and his direction. And I guarantee it you'll have it. Because if you, if you really pay attention to what God's word is saying, as God, uh, uh, through Jesus Christ, established his church, he talks something very special on the lines of the brideship of the groomsmen. And of the bridegroom. There are going to be those in the, in the wedding party that are going to be guests at the wedding. There's going to be a bride. There's going to be a bridegroom. And these are all some of the most really touching uh, lessons that God's people can really get a hold of. And I pray that we will do that. You know, uh, it seems to me like the push is so strong today to try to make everybody inclusive. And I'm talking about all faiths. They're trying to put everybody into one little basket and to make it work. And folks, it's not going to work. 
If you're truly saved by God's amazing grace, you need to know that the Bible says that we're to come out from them. And, and those that are in even other faiths that believe that they're saved by the grace of God, who know the truth of salvation and how it appeared, they need to separate themselves from the Protestant. Now listen, this is one thing that I'm really kind of hold as a pet peeve of mine. The Baptists did not come through the Reformation. Baptists were already here. By doctrine and by teaching, the Baptists were already here by its headship. The Baptists were already here. And so as we look at these scriptures tonight, we're going to see how the marriage, how the marriage of man and wife works together to show the beauty of the bride of Christ. Now, like I said, we're only going to be able to touch on this tonight. Lord willing, either Sunday night or next Wednesday night, we'll, we'll, we'll have a whole uh, lesson devoted uh, to the bride of Christ. But as we look at this scripture in verse 1 down through verse 30 to begin with, the Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks of God. You know, again, this is where we come to a very time when it, the house of God is a place to be serious. Amen? It's not a time for joking as far as the pastor or the preacher is concerned. I don't, uh, I don't approve of that and I don't uh, enjoy hearing it. I believe that the pulpit is a very sacred place to stand for a man of God, for a teacher of God. It's no place to be making fun, to be jesting. And that's the reason why even the man of God has a, there is a clause in the, in the, in the details of a man of God, of a pastor, how he's supposed to be. And one of those, he's not supposed to be a jester. He's not supposed to be uh, getting up and breaking the ice. I don't have any ice around here, do I? This place here is warm as it can be. I tell you what, that's what you have when you have a house full of people of God who love each other and they love the Word of God. You don't have to break ice. Listen, I want you to know something. When we come into the house of God, we're ready to worship. We're ready to celebrate what has given us the life that we have. The Bible goes on to say then, we'll get off of that. For this you know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Listen, there's a reason that God wants His people to be separated. And I'm talking right down to the church family and the church itself. The Bible says we're not to be partakers of uh, not necessarily false religions, but, but it is in a way, if you believe that salvation comes through the water and baptism, 
you're, you're in the wrong church. Matter of fact, you're not just in the wrong church. You don't have salvation. You say, well, how can you judge somebody like that? Because the Bible says we're not saved. We're not saved through works of righteousness. We're not saved through the watery baptism. We're not saved by turning over a new leaf. We're not saved by giving so much money to the church. We're not saved by having our name on the church row. We're saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That and that alone brings about our salvation. So the Bible states this. Listen, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with, with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and of the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here comes the duties of the husband and wife. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, not having a wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his, his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and his wife see that she reverence 
her husband. I want to bring a message tonight, the twofold duty of the saint of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before your throne, we do so with thankful hearts. We thank you, dear God, that you have given us thy word to direct us and to guide us in the ways of righteousness, to teach us the hidden things to humanity, to teach us to know the things that you want us to know. Lord, I pray tonight that you would bless your word. Father, that you would encourage us this evening and help us even more, Lord, to want to strive to be what you want us to be. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our evening, bless our time of fellowship together. Lord, I pray that you will just, just miraculous, work miraculously in our, in our congregation tonight that we may truly bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, we ask again that you be with the fallen. We pray for the sick, Lord, that you'd bless and help them to be healed. Lord, we pray for those that are recovering, that you would continue to touch their bodies and bring them health. Father, tonight we pray that you will, you will perform a miracle in this house by saving lost souls. Bless us this evening, O oh Father. Lord, we'll not forget to give you all the praise and honor and glory. For it's in Jesus Christ's name, His sake that I pray. And amen. <clears throat> Take that off before I get any further. I'm getting hot. In verse 1 down through verse 20, we see something very moving. Emmanuel, our lesson tonight has everything to allow the saint of God to perform at their optimal responsibility as true saints of God and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The Christian has a duty to be fully involved in their Christian walk and performance as that light which leads the way in a dark world. Oftentimes I hear Brother Jamie as he's praying and he's praying not only for this body but his son that he will be a light in a dark world. And folks, that's what we're to be. We're to be that light in a dark world and there's only one way to do that and that's to live in the light. We cannot live in darkness. We cannot live in, in the past life that we used to live. We are different. We're saved by God's amazing grace and there ought to be a change in each and every one of us and we ought to have a striving to be more like Christ every day. We are to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. As Matthew chapter 5 speaks of, I believe it is, in Matthew chapter 5, as I look back here, we look at this, this portion of Scripture where it talks about that we are to be the light of the world. The Bible says in verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It preserves, number one. It makes things taste better, number two. It takes out uh, 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 the moisture that would cause rot and decay, number three. Salt is that one thing that adds and enables a, 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 a genuine a, a form of electricity to flow uh, through the mind and, and through the spirit of a, of a saved individual. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? In other words, if it is, and I don't know if you've ever grabbed a salt, salt shaker that has uh, lost its savor, 
But I want you to know something. You can put as much salt on there as you want, but it'll never taste any different. Folks, I want you to know something. That's the way the Christian life is too if we're not careful. If we begin to, and, and we lose the savor, in other words, if we lose the, the essence of what salt is and what it's all about, it is thenceforth good for nothing. But as the Bible says, to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. The Bible says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and they give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So how are we to perform this twofold duty as saints of God? Listen to me now. Because this is where you're going to find out exactly what God expects of you. And I believe this is where we as a church family ought to expect this of each other. I mean, we're all in this together, amen? We're here tonight to worship in spirit and truth. We're here tonight to give God all the glory and all the praise. So we should expect that of each other. We shouldn't come into the house of God with a lackluster feeling. We shouldn't come into the house of God with a with an attitude like like a, a, a you know I just don't think you can bless me tonight. Listen, I want you to know something. The blessing is not up to me; it's up to God to give you. And if you come with your hands outspread, you come with your hands opened up wide, you come with your saucer empty. I guarantee it, the Lord's going to fill it for you. That's the way He works. If you come expecting something, you're going to get something out of each and every service. The Bible tells us very plainly uh, about these things, and I pray that God will open our minds this evening. Listen, the Bible says, first of all, in order to fulfill our twofold duty as saints, the Bible says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Folks, these first 20 verses of Scripture gives you every, everything that you need to fulfill your duty in walking close to God. These Scriptures give us everything we need to perform at our optimal potential. We are saints who need to be walking in love. Now, in John chapter 13, if you go over here, I'm not going to have time to get all the scriptures in tonight. Uh, so we'll, we'll look at some of these again next week. But in John 13, verse 34 and 35, the Bible says, A new commandment I give unto you. Now this is concerning the church. This is concerning each and every individual that makes up this body. It doesn't matter whether you're the youngest member of this body. We can think about Lincoln. Or you're the eldest member of this body. Everybody has a responsibility to do what? To love one another. This is the command of God. Now if you're in this house tonight, you're a saved member of this body, you're a baptized believer, the one thing that you have to have in your heart is love for your, for your brother or sister in Christ. The Bible says a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this 
shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now folks, I'll tell you, it's a telling sign, isn't it? Now, I don't know if you are able to go to very many different churches or not, but I want you to know something tonight. You can always tell where there's real love amongst the brethren. Where there is a real, genuine, uh, uh, unadulterated love for each other. There is, a, there is a joy for being in the house of God. There is a camaraderie where, where God's people can, can mesh together in a way that nowhere no, you don't have it everywhere else. And that's always something that we need to get a hold of. In John chapter 15, the Bible states this in verse 12 and 13. This is my commandment. Now, we're talking about the words of the actual man God. The actual God-man, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, He states this, This is my commandment, that, we, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 9, the Bible says, But as touching brotherly love... You need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. In 1 John chapter 3, uh, the Bible tells us there that we are to love. In 1 John chapter 2, the Bible says as fellow members in church, uh, 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 of the church of the, of the living God, listen, we are to be loving one another, caring for one another. That's one of our greatest duties. In these first 20 verses, it tells us exactly how we're to love one another. Do you love the way you ought to? Now, secondly, I want you to think about this. The Bible says that we're to walk as children of the Lord. In verse 3 down through verse 20 of this same text, within the verses of this Scripture, we can learn just what is expected of us as saints of God. We're to be Christ-like. What is it to be Christ-like? To be acting like Christ did. That's what it means. At Antioch, when the people of God were first called Christians, you know why they were called Christian? Because they acted like Christ. Folks, we need to be like Antioch. Amen? We need to be a people who are truly acting the way Christ acted. How did He act? He loved His church so much that He gave Himself for it. Now, a lot of people go, to, go there and they, they, leap, they leap off of a mountain and, and try to teach the universal church. Well, folks, there's no such thing as a universal church. There is a, maybe a universal kingdom of God, but there is no universal church. There is this local called out assembly. We are the church of the living God. Listen, the Bible states that we're to, we're to be, the, be that individual that acts like Christ in every aspect of our life. We go all the way back to, uh, uh, you, you go back to last week, the last uh, study we done two weeks ago in, in Ephesians 4. You know, everything comes together for the glory of God and our good if we just don't give place to the devil. You know the reason why so many churches are splitting now? You know the reason why so many churches are in trouble tonight? Tonight is because too many people have gave way to the devil. The devil has come in. He's got his foot in the door. And he's began to prod and poke at everybody that he can. You know why? 
because he knows if he can just get some of you disturbed enough to start bickering and biting and backbiting one another, he's got a chance to destroy this congregation. He's got a chance to destroy the unity and the love that makes up a true body of God. That's the reason why we've got to be very careful, folks. In everything that we do, in every appearance of sin, we need to shun. Whatever it is. Listen, I've heard some say, well, did you hear what so... Well, I don't want to hear what so-and-so did. Listen, I, I, one thing that I can't hardly stand is, is loose lips. I'm talking about gossiping. I can't hardly stand to hear people talk about other people. Listen, I want you to know tonight that we've got to be careful about that amongst us as a church family. Because the very moment you go in and you start prodding, poking, and, and saying things, listen, the devil has got his foot in the door. It ain't going to be long. He's going to have his whole body in the, in the house. Folks, that's where, that's where everything begins to fall apart. We've got to be careful. Don't give place to the devil. You know, uh, let's go back to Ephesians 4 for just a moment. I think it's in verse 27. The Bible says, Neither give place to the devil. These are things we're to abstain from. The Bible says, Be angry, but sin not. You see, there's the problem with too many people. We're able to get angry real quick, but we're also able to sin along with the anger. Because that's what anger actually ends up doing. It causes us to sin. Not only sin against our body, but sin against the body of Christ. That's the reason why we've got to be very careful. They've given way to the devil. And the sin which hath thus so easily beset them. That's the reason why we've got to be Christian. That's the reason why that God's people have to be Christ-like. Because if we're not careful, it's that little pet peeve that, that we like to pick on in our life. Listen, I'm, I'm no exception. I've got problems with my life. I know some people could point and they could, if they start pointing at me, they're going to they're point their fingers off because I know I'm, I've got a lot of problems in my life. I know that I've, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I, that I have failed the Lord in so many times, in so many ways. I know if you begin to start pointing them out, you know what, I believe it would just absolutely break my heart because I know, I know what it caused it. But folks, I want you to know something today. Those little things, those little, those little uh, uh, problems in our lives, the Bible says uh, that we can... And when I say this, don't get me wrong, we can overlook those problems in each other's life. I'm not saying you can condone the sin, but you need to understand something. We're all sinners. Some of us just saved by God's amazing grace, but we're still sinners. In other words, we've not arrived yet and we're not perfect. We're going to fail from time to time. But folks, I want you to know something. If God's people stick together, if God's people can come together, and if God's people can, can be a forgiving group of individuals, the devil's foot gets broke in the door because we're going to slam it shut. Amen? We're going to take care of that problem. The Bible says that we're to, we're to walk as light. We're to, we're to try to do everything in our power to, to take away the sin that does so easily beset us. 
We are to flee from all appearance of sin. We are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We as children of light are to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. Folks, I'll tell you what, God's people today need to redeem the time. Look at what's happening in the Middle East tonight. Do you really realize how close we are to being called home? The rapture is just beyond who knows when. The next minute, the next hour. Listen, when you see things going on in Israel that's going on, you say, well, I've heard that they've had wars before. You mark my word. Listen, we're at the end of time, folks. Today is the day of salvation. Listen, you're not promised tomorrow. Look up while there's time. Look up while you can, while you can have the day of grace still enlisted in your heart. Oh, may God get a hold of you. Listen, we're, we, we as the children of light are to be redeeming the time because, yes, the days are evil. This word redeeming in the Greek means, means to make the most of. It means to make the most of the time that God's given us. Redeem the time. Be Christ-like in everything. And I promise you that God will bless you in your life. God will bless you beyond all measure. Now, I had a lot more Scripture, but I'm not going to be able to get it all. So I'm going to my last point tonight because this is one place that I really want to spend some time on. Thirdly, tonight, we come now to the most important Scripture as it relates to husbands and wives. The Bible states in verse 21 down through verse 33... How to have what my opinion is, is the perfect marriage. You know what? There is no real perfect marriage. But I guarantee it, if you follow God's, God's rule, God's law for marriage, I guarantee it your marriage will be amazing. Because you're going to be performing just like God intended you to perform. I'm going to say this. God did not intend for men to be the way they are today. I don't believe without a shadow of a doubt that God intended to have men to be so easily weakened and buckled with the things of this life. I believe, a, I believe number one, I believe a man, I believe a husband, he ought to be the protector of the home, amen? amen. He ought to be the supporter of the wife. He ought to be the caretaker of her. And he ought to do everything in his power, just like Christ did for the church. He ought to do everything in his power to protect her. You know what? I believe Christ does that for his church today. The church that's faithful. You see, that's where everything, that's where everything differs. That's where everything comes to a head is faithful. Now, in these scriptures, we can come to an understanding as it concerns God's holy word, what, it, what is the marriage. And this scripture alone can cause a marriage to be exactly the way God intended it to be. In Genesis 1, the Bible speaks about the fact that He created man, and He created him out of the dust of the earth in the very image of God Almighty. Now, as He went on through creation... 
He took man's rib and made he a woman. Now, this is one thing I want to say because I see this. I had a man that come to me one time. He says, he come to me, him and his wife were having problems. He said, listen, ain't I supposed to be the boss? I said, well, I don't like to put it that way, but you're supposed to be the head of the home as in the Lord. This man was a lost man, so he had no idea what I was saying, but this is what I'm, this is what I'm getting at. Listen, I believe that the man is the head of the home, even as Christ is the head of the church. That's the picture of marriage. That's what the picture of marriage is all about. Now, as we look at this scripture, we understand what, what is being said here, how, how, how uh, 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 God and through Jesus Christ created man and then He made woman out of the man for what? For His doormat? For His slave? No, He made her for His, for his, for his uh, companion, for His helpmate. That's what woman and man are to each other. Husband and wife, I mean. So, in the beginning God created man and woman. He first made man of the dust of the earth in the very image of the Almighty God, His Creator. And we see this in Genesis 1.27. And then He made the woman by taking a rib from Adam, thus placing the woman as man's helpmeet. And as I said just a moment ago, not man's doormat. Not man's common slave, but as his companion, his partner, his helpmeet. In verses 21 down through verse 24, we see this. The Bible states, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And now, this is where a lot of people have problems. This is an untaught scripture in many modern churches in this world today. Feminism has ruined, or at the very least, has altered God's intended way of existence for males and females, for husbands and wives. The man was not made for the woman, but the woman for the man. This world has tried to feminize the man to such a degree that he does not recognize nor wishes to take his place as a provider, a protector, and a sustainer. That is his God-given duty to his wife. To feminize, you know, you hear that word thrown around a lot. I heard something the other day. Two women were talking and they said we don't even need the male species no more. Science is so good. And they began to brag about the fact that they don't need mankind no more. You know what happened? Feminism has ruined their mind. Because that's not the way God designed it. God designed us to be husband and wife. Not husband and husband, not wife and wife, but husband and wife. There's a reason why, folks, that He designed it the way He designed it. For procreation, to keep on. 
You can't do that when you have two sexes together. It takes one of each. So as we look at the Bible, we look at what God's Word is saying here. Listen, when you feminize the man, when you downgrade him, and, and you see it in all the commercials, I get so sick of watching. I don't even watch commercials. It, I get angry. When you have a man, a, you know, a big burly man, and he starts acting like a little sissy. I know people, people probably look at me like, you, you know, probably shouldn't even be saying it. Well, I think it's time that somebody stand up and say something. To feminize, according to the dictionary, means to, to make suitable for the woman, to make somebody conventionally like a woman, to make somebody behave in ways conventionally associated with the woman. That's what's happened to too many men in our society today, folks. They've lost their bearings. They have lost their direction. The reason why so many families are failing today is because so many men will not take their God-given duty and their place in the home. And they won't be the protector, the sustainer, the supporter of the house. I didn't know I was going to all these places tonight, but listen, I want you to know something. It's serious. Things that are going on in the world today with families, listen, you break the family down, the church is gone. You see, that's how, that's how the church is built with families. And they're built with people that are, that are Christ-like, amen, that, that are walking the Christian walk, that are doing the things that God intended the people to do. And if you're not doing that, you're walking in sin. Listen. As husband and wife, we portray a perfect picture of what the faithful, righteous, holy body of Christ, the church, is to its head, Christ. Ephesians 5 and 22 again, the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. This phrase, as unto the Lord, carries with it this thought, Obey or be led as He leads through Christ. The husband should never have his wife to do anything which would be construed as sinful or against God's law. This concept today of the open marriage, which so many in our world today takes part in, is flat out open rebellion against God's holy word. It goes completely against the picture of what the church is toward Christ. Open marriage, listen folks, is wicked. It is. I'm not willing to share my wife with nobody. And I want you to know something. In the world in which we live today, the open marriage concept has infiltrated the churches to such a degree that every church says, well, just come on over here with us. We'll get along. Folks, that's what, that's what it causes. You want, people look at me and say, man, you're all too old-fashioned. You're just a stick in the mud. You don't enjoy. You don't think nobody's going to heaven but you. I didn't. I, I had never said that. I have never preached that. I have never indicated that. I believe that anybody who trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, Him and Him alone through His death, burial, and resurrection, are saved people. It doesn't matter what 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 member you are, what congregation you're of. If I was you, though, I would go first class. Amen. 
I would go with I would go uh, with the church that that according to history and according to scripture dates all the way back to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something: Baptists are not Reformed Baptists. There's a there's a sect of Baptists today called Reformed Baptists. We're not Reformed Baptists. No, sir. We didn't come out of Catholicism. We are not Protestants. We are the Church of the Living God, folks. And you know how I know that? You just all you got to do is chase it back to by the Scriptures. Go back to where the authority was given. You have your church. Folks, all you got to do is even just look at this trail of blood here. You'll see exactly when the first church was started and then when the Catholic Church come in. Okay? There it is. It's right there in black and white and red. But now listen. I know I've got to come to a close here. But listen, this, this, this concept of open marriage... I've heard of that. I mean, it just shocked me. I could not believe my ears when I heard that. I mean, how could a husband and wife do that? I don't understand it. But yet people do the same thing with their churches, with their church membership, with their church attendance. It's all right. That's what everybody says. I listen, it's all right. Don't, don't fuss so much about that. Listen, you know what you're doing? You're committing spiritual adultery. You know, that's not taught no more, is it? Folks, it needs to be taught today. You need to understand that. I'm trying to find my place here now. You know, the open marriage concept, as I said, it pictures a church which is inclusive to all faiths and all practices of sin. It doesn't matter. As long as you say you're saved, it doesn't matter what your life is like. Folks, I beg to differ with you. I beg to differ with you. All practices of sin is evil in the eyes of God. And we're to abstain from all and every appearance of sin. All that is ungodly we're to stay away from. I'm not willing, as I said, and I've already said this twice. I'll, I'll say it again because I've got it wrote down here. I'm not willing to share my wife with anybody. I will protect her honor at all costs. This is exactly how we're to treat the church, folks. Ephesians 5, 23 down through verse 30, we see exactly that very statement. The husband is to act the same way for his wife as Christ was and did for the church. Willing to die for her. To protect her at all costs. You know what? Last, this past Monday, we were married 41 years. And I would still fight for her honor. I'll tell you that right now. I love my wife. I, I, I couldn't imagine life without her. You know what? That's what, church is, that's what church ought to be like to us. I couldn't imagine life without my church family. And you know, as we, as we continue on in this, in this walk until the Lord takes us home, we're to treat her with all due respect. I'm talking about the church now. We're to treat her with all due respect. We're to protect her. We're to protect her honor. You know how you do that? You've got to keep the church real clean. When sin begins to infiltrate the house of God, you've got to take care of it. You've got to clean it up. Because if you don't, a little sin, just a little bit. You know, it's just like a, 
It's just like uh, these things of flirtation. You know, when you begin to flirt a little bit, you better be careful because you're going to get in trouble. Don't be flirtatious. Listen, when you begin to flirt with sin, it's going to bite you. It'll come back to get you. You know what? You start having these, these uneasy feelings in your chest. These, un, these unholy and unhealthy feelings began to flood your emotions. And before long, you're not worried no more about your church family. You're not worried no more about your wife, the one that you love with all your heart. You've got other stuff going on. That's a reason why you've got to be careful, folks. Daggone, I love preaching on this stuff. This is, I mean, this is stuff that, you know, you just don't hear brought out no more. And it is a shame. But the husband is to act the same way for his wife as Christ acted for his church family. Willing to die for her and protect her at all cost. Why? That he may present her as a glorious wife and helpmeet. Just like Christ presents his church. A spotless, glorious wife. One where there is no need for shame. Next week... We'll dive a little deeper into this subject as it concerns the bride of Christ, if I can wait that long. Who she is, how'd she come to be so, and are you a part of that bride? Are you a part of that bride? Oh, may God help us to realize the sacredness of the house of God, the church family, and our own husbands and wives. May we realize how sacred that, that union is. Listen, when we come together, it's more than just physical, it's spiritual. That's a spiritual connection that if something happens to that union, that spiritual connection, buddy, it, 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 it hurts. Oh, may God help us to see. May God help us to be more faithful. May God help us to love this church family with all of our hearts souls and minds. Let's all stand, please.